we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. On the levels. On oh, the, the levels. The levels are good. Levels, levels are good. Good. Well, welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. My name is Scott Westby. We are Full Swing Productions, yeah. and each week we bring you news tips and interviews in the film, digital, digital and video digital. media industries of Alberta. Words that I understand, uh, and now no one else does. Well, we've been busy. It's understandable. No, not busy. Our plates have been full. Right, right. Yes, good point. How are you, Matt? I'm swell. I'm swell, man. Actually, I'm, I'm really good. I feel good. Yeah. I, I feel good, Weather's too. nice. Weather is nice. It's yeah. a little bit rainy, which is, is great. Um, it's my favorite season, the mm. spring. Um, <laughs> and you know what this spring is bringing? Some fun news from Cineplex. Yeah. Cineplex is adding 4DX in yes. Toronto. And I'm very interested to know what you think of this. Uh, so Cineplex um, is kind of, I guess, uh, adding on to their, um, their motion seats with uh, wind and smells and rain effects to make What's it called? D-box is the it's one like D-box, just yeah. the chairs move. Yeah, so the, so now it's it's D-box extreme hence the X I'm sure. Um and I hate this. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I'm just oh. going to go on on the record and say that All this right. is I did I I I tried my my first D-box with Star Wars a mm-hmm. couple months ago and uh I hated it. Right. And I feel like Star Wars would be the best the best candidate for that kind of a thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a ride and I'd already seen it before and it was um, so, uh, so that it wouldn't distract me from the story. And I just, just, <laughs> I didn't care for it. Um, but I, but I, you know, what I find so interesting about it is the, is whoever the person is, it's like a new film filmmaker role. The person who's like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie and determine when the chair is going to move and when the wind is going to blast and when the smell is going to happen. That's uh that's a whole new layer of filmmaking. I won't deny that that was very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was impressed with with that. You're you're absolutely right. That level of of storytelling within the movement of a chair. Right. And I'm sure, hopefully, that they will do the same. They'll pay attention to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I just I just hate it. I mean, I, you go on those rides in Disney where they spray you with yeah shit on right. your face, and then yeah. there's like one in, in a tree where there's like stingers like stinging you in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And, oh yeah, yeah. And at Universal Studios, the Beatles on, yeah, on your you, feet. You you spend the whole time on edge, <laughs> yeah, just waiting sure. to right. get sprayed in the face with the next thing. It's right. the worst. Hmm. What do you That's think about it? Well, so actually, just last week or last episode when I recommended an episode of the Slash Filmcast, one of the people on that podcast, his name's Devendra Hardwar, was talking about how he had just seen Batman versus Superman in. Uh, 4D is that what it's called 4DX D-Box or, oh he saw it in 4DX yeah yeah yeah, oh. yeah. and he absolutely hated it like yeah. he now Devendra is kind of a downer <laughs> I like him but but he's usually the negative Nancy on, on, the, on the podcast um, but he made some good points it, yeah it, he hated it he absolutely hated it but I'm sure we'll get it here because apparently Chinook is the most money-making theater for Cineplex in Canada. It's the busiest in Canada. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure we'll get it although there's only two rows of D-Box and, and it's been that way for years now. Yeah. Cause, cause it's, it's bad. <laughs> I <don't laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, it's just a different film experience. That's all. It's people who go there for sure. Who, who want the ride experience, not the story experience. Yeah. Right. And, um, I feel like it's a bit of a gimmick. Um, and, and, and I'm sure people at Cineplex will disagree with me, but, uh, I guess we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. We'll go try it on the podcast and then, uh, just leave. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's get into, uh, some other sad news. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a great performer and, and uh, member of our community, Alan Stickle, has just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and he's got a GoFundMe page that uh, I, I highly recommend you go and check out. I don't want to go too deep into it here, but um, definitely want to support him. And uh, this is going to be a challenging time. And it's an opportunity for us to support a member of our community. So go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Uh, so on to some more positive stuff. Uh, the Rosie nominees were announced, um, just a few days ago mm-hmm. and the full list will have the link to it in our show notes. Um, ampia.org basically, um, congrats to everybody who was nominated. Yes. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful celebration of, of the talent that we have. Um, and if you weren't nominated, that's okay. Great job anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, congrats mm-hmm. for doing something and, uh, try again next year. 
um, never, never quit. Can't Absolutely. Stop, stop. So the, uh, the roses will be held at the Hyatt Regency Imperial Ballroom in Calgary on Saturday, May 7th. Um, tickets are now on sale and for Ampium members, uh, 170 for regular tickets, 195 for premiums for non-members, 195 for regular tickets, 225 for premiums. And if you're a student full-time regular, uh, tickets are only $110. Um, it's a great networking opportunity. Yes. And, uh, it's, a, it's a must. And Jeb Fink is going to be the, the host this mm-hmm. year. So we should have some, uh, some good times. <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, the Edmonton Screen Industries uh, survey is out, and that's something that's uh, that I think the Ampia uh, email blast is, is where I heard about. They're that, sharing right? it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I guess it's for anyone who's in the Edmonton uh, filmmaking community who wants to have uh, some input on the screen industries in Edmonton. Um, and there's a, a lot of uh, turbulence right now. Yeah, I think without a film commissioner, yeah. uh, it's just a big question mark as far as what is the industry and how do mm-hmm. we want to proceed. So um, click on the link in our show notes and uh, get your feedback in there. Totally. Get your voice heard. And now you're about to hear the audio quality change a little bit. Why uh, would why would the audio quality <laughs> change from these crappy mics? Well, we were lucky enough a, a little while ago to tour the Propeller Studios, which it was it's an awesome awesome studio space um, right near the train tracks. Uh, but they have a solution for that, um, and it's uh, it's a great space. It's a sound stage, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we got to tour the whole thing and record within one of their sound booths. Um, and, uh, that's why this audio is going to sound so buttery and awesome. Super sweet. And we, so we've recorded with, with Alex Mitchell, who's a sound yes. location, sound mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, so but we haven't really talked too much about post sound, post yeah. audio and how important that is. We talked about how important it is, but we haven't really kind of dove into it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so here's someone who's a great representative of, of that world and that part of our community. Um, and his name is Patrick Butler is Patrick Butler. <laughs> and he also talks about uh, the APBA the Alberta Post-Production Association so um, mm. yeah if you're in post-production listen up because this is yes. um, a little bit of the story of the genesis of that lots of great information yeah, yeah. so uh, here's Patrick enjoy so Patrick Butler yes sir the best name ever <laughs> um, our listeners are probably wondering why this sounds so good it's and, gonna be a little different, I would imagine. Yeah, and you'd never guess how close we were to the C train tracks right now. Which yeah, is that's even right. more amazing. Got the podcast kit in a in a bag, and I keep it, I lug it around with me. But uh, we're in your uh, your your space here, this amazing studio you call Propeller Studios. Indeed, so, and uh, and welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, it's, it's, this is an amazing place. Um, let's talk about the room that we're in for starters. Yeah, what okay. is this place? <laughs> uh, this is our main recording studio area. And uh, it was designed and built by an architectural firm out of Toronto, Pilchner Schustel, who designed some of the top rooms in Canada. Oh, wow. And uh, they do everything from music studios to, um, you know, the set for CTV and YTV and all of that sort of stuff. But it turns out that uh, Marty Pilchner is an old Saskatchewan guy. And one of the very first studios that he designed was our, our sister facility in Regina. Oh, so cool. when we decided to open in Calgary, we reached out to Marty and said, uh, would you uh, work on some design stuff for us? And he was kind enough to say, yes. And uh, that's, uh, we're in, we're in the room that Marty designed. <laughs> right on. That's cool. So what, what is the, what are you, what are the entirety of your facilities? Um, we have two uh, record areas and we have two control rooms. Um, and then we have some additional edit, uh, edit suites and machine rooms and that sort of thing. So by, you know, the standards of Technicolor and sharp sound and whatnot, we'd be small, uh, and boutique and, uh, you know, by the standards of any place, not Toronto or Vancouver, we'd be considered sort of midsize. Cool. So I, I always like to talk about who you are and how, how you came to start your journey and, and end up, end up where you are. What was your, what was your... I mean, sound post is not as direct as like you know a lot of students like to say. I, I want to be a director. Um, yeah. So how did how did your journey begin? Uh, it's it's the product of a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> um, I I guess I was kind of one of those high school geeks that like playing around with you know the PA system. And oh, okay. I was a musician and played in bands, and I was oh, a guy cool. that kind of looked after all that stuff. 
uh, grew up in a small town, and one of the things you know I did to make some extra cash was I worked at the local movie theater uh-huh. back in the day when they had such things in small <laughs> towns. So I kind of got my introduction to the film business, you know, way way back. And uh, then when I went to university, kind of carried on working uh, on music sides of the projects and whatnot. And then in Saskatchewan, in uh, going back a ways now. There really wasn't much of a film industry, and I knew a bunch of uh, of musicians and filmmakers and whatnot that were looking for some place to get sound work done. Ah, yeah. So uh, built a uh, built a little garage studio in Regina. Cool. Hung out to shingle, and you know, as technology changed, I think I was one of the first guys in Western Canada to go fully digital. Ah, way wow. back in 1990. Wow, ditch the Nagra. Uh, well. It was really kind of amusing. The first time I ever did a non-destructive edit, I kind of, this little smile came over my face. (laughs) I am never, ever going to cut tape again. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, I haven't, never looked around on the floor for the word (laughs) the. That's uh, so funny. I haven't even heard the term non-destructive edit, I think since Sate. I yeah, totally yeah, forgotten yeah, that yeah. that was even a, a thing. No, no, it's, it's just, absolutely it, it, a thing. And then, and then through the nineties, it's kind of moved up to, you know, from uh, four track to eight track to sixteen track right. to Pro Tools, and then kind of expanded that. Right, right. And then in uh, the late uh, in the late nineties, uh, Saskatchewan kind of went through a bit of a downturn in the film industry with uh, a couple of our major clients uh, going into pretty serious difficulties. And at that point, um, I'd been part of the founding uh, group of of people that got involved with the Saskatchewan Motion Picture Association and also the Saskatchewan Recording Industry Association. Oh, cool. And through that process, I ended up meeting uh, uh, most of the other folks kind of involved in in, uh, professional recording and music stuff. And uh, met a fellow named Mike McNaughton, who ran a, another studio operation in Regina. And uh, uh, during the downturn, you know, Mike and I, at the end of one of our board meetings, you know, we went uh, went for the uh, inevitable beer and got to the smart end of the jar. And Mike said, so have you ever thought about uh, expanding into other markets? And I said, well, everything's pretty much on the table right now. Right. Uh, and he said, well, there's a studio for sale in Calgary. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, would you be interested in taking a look at it? So in, uh, in 2000, we took a look at... Uh, uh, at a facility that will remain nameless. Um, and we kind of did our homework and research and whatnot and liked the fundamentals here in Calgary. It was sort of right on the cusp of heading into the whole HD uh, world. Right. Uh, I mean, previous to that, when stuff was fil- finished on film, uh, a lot of the sound work automatically went to Vancouver. Just, right. wow, we have to go there for our lab work anyway. So right. we'll just do it there. Hmm. So we figured that... Uh, you know, the timing was, was pretty decent, of course. We didn't realize it was going to take another eight years right. to actually turn the right. yeah, HD yeah, yeah. corner. Right. But we were prepared. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, bottom line was that the deal uh, on the studio kind of fell through. Right. But we'd already kind of done our homework and talked to the producers. So we said, well, you know, for the amount that we were talking about spending on on getting involved with that opportunity, we could probably build and equip it, uh, you know, uh, not have any additional baggage left over. Right. So that was, uh, that was what we did. We uh, started our build in July of 2001. And uh, we were all nicely set up. We had three feature films in the pipeline that we were going to work. And September 11th hit. Oh, no. Whoa. Right in the middle of our build, all three films got canceled because none of the U.S. actors were going to travel anymore. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Um, And we went from having what we thought was a kind of a conservative game plan. We had a little while. To, oh, my God. (laughs) Now what? But oh, we were able to survive that and got sure. a chance to work on some really good projects here. Awesome. So your 15th anniversary is coming right up here. The 15th anniversary is coming right That's up. really Absolutely. exciting. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Hard to believe it's been that long, but it has. Wow. So since then, what, what are some, uh, we saw some Emmy nominations yeah. in the other room here? Yeah, we, uh, what are some uh, of your most recently, I guess, uh, we, we, uh, 
merged with another uh, studio operation, uh, SyncSpot Digital Audio, run by Frank Lorata. And uh, we, uh, we merged and rolled out Propeller Studios as a kind of a new brand in early 2013. Right. And we've been very, okay. very busy. Uh, we've been doing a lot of the drama work and a lot of the long form work. We do a, a kind of a mix of a lot of stuff. Some of it's not all that glamorous. We do, you know, IVR for, uh, you know, interactive voice recognition systems for phones. And oh, we do, cool. We do described video. We do some audio books and, right. you know, a little bit sure. of this and that. But our bread and butter, the core of our business is all is all drama right. work and, and long form documentary work. So yeah, some of the highlights we uh, uh, we worked on season one of Fargo and uh, got a couple of Emmy nominations for that. Wow. Worked on Klondike, which was another uh, Discovery Channel miniseries mm -hmm. and had another uh, Emmy nomination uh, for our work on that. And uh, one of our dialogue er editors, Jason Lawrence, won a uh, golden reel from the motion picture sound editors uh, oh, wow. guild right. for his work on those productions. And we've uh, done ADR and little bits and pieces of stuff from, for Heartland. Uh, we did all of the uh, sound editorial for uh, Hell on Wheels last year. Um, worked on, I was a sound supervisor for the NFB Oscar nominated, uh, short animation called Wildlife. Oh yes, I know it. Yes. Which was, Fantastic. Uh, which was a whole lot of fun. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so basically everything. Sound was a huge <laughs> yeah. part of that short too. Massive part. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we had a lot of fun with that. That's, so that's cool. what would you say it is that you do to someone who has no idea? Like if you're at a party and you're, you're like, oh, I'm an accountant and, and. Yep. What do you do? How do you how do you describe that in kind of layman's terms? We make the sound that you hear for film and television projects. Right. Um, and I think and a lot of people don't necessarily realize how important and how much goes into sound posts. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the that's the biggest thing because I think a lot of people, you know, look at a drama and whatnot and, you know, you've got some characters out on out on a street or in the forest and they think you just hang up a microphone and that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Every bit of that sound in a drama is designed. Right. So you you basically will start the design work, you know, from from dialogue. Uh, which is often uh, recorded on location as two different uh, streams. You'll have a, a close mic uh, lavalier, which is clipped to the actor, and it's a, just a radio mic. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have a boom mic. So we'll get all of that stuff um, uh, from, the, uh, from the picture editing department once they've made their choices. And then from there, we go through and we do a dialogue evaluation, figure out what lines need to be replaced because of technical reasons or whatever. Mm -hmm. We'll then work with the director in a spotting session where we'll we'll actually go through the movie scene by scene and kind of talk through any any special sound moments or sound design moments that they want to incorporate, you know, to kind of create that larger than life sound. And then from there, we will go in and start to build out all of the, the what are called backgrounds. And this is all of the other sound in a scene that didn't get recorded on your boom mic or your lav mic. Right. And that usually breaks down into what is called foreground, midground, and background. Oh, cool. And it's just, it provides more dimensionality to the sound that you're hearing so that uh, it also gives us something to put in a surround mix. You know, it allows us to fill out that mm. five-one space right. to create more three-dimensionality to it. Um, we'll then work with the uh, with the other departments, like um, uh, musicians, composers, and whatnot, right. to figure out when you know when music's going to start and stop. If it's a original composition, or we'll work with uh, music libraries and and cut and edit different types of music to to fit. Um, one of the things that uh, is always a lot of fun to do is foley, and that is the uh, the replacement of all of the sounds that were made by actors on the set. That when you take out that English language dialogue, you lose all of that. Right. Right. So for productions that are going into foreign languages, for example, German. Sure, yeah. Swahili, yeah. <laughs> uh, it needs to have all of those additional sounds, the footsteps, the uh, props handling, all of that sort of sound, so that it, the uh, foreign language version or what is often called a music and effects version will sound exactly the same cool. as the English mix right. with the exception of when the actor opens their mouth, out comes German. Right. right. 
But now, so, now, when you're doing sound post, do you, and and somewhere else in the world is doing a, a dub with an, another language, are you not sending like here's just the dialogue track and here's just the background track? We typically will send. Uh, we will typically send uh, what is called a five one. Amini, okay, or international mix, and that's the full f- uh, surround six channel left, center right, left surround, right surround, and then your your sub information. Okay, we do a stripped out version where we take uh, all of the English language out, leaving everything else intact, mm. and then that's what they would uh, bring their dubbing actors into to perform to. Okay. and we would also send out a stereo version of that as well. Mm. Um, you know, for for productions that weren't designed to go out to a, to a surround market, although most of them will these days. How, right. how often do you find that you're manufacturing sounds that don't exist? I'm thinking of like the Star Wars laser gun kind of thing. How often do you get? Because that to me sounds like what I would consider probably the funnest part of sound posts is making those more up. than more than you would think. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. We have we have sound effects libraries online here right. with literally hundreds of thousands of effects. And it's it's astounding to me how often you go looking for something and you can't find right. just the right sound. So for us it would be a combination of in some cases we'll actually go out in the field and record some what we call base elements that uh, we can use to build off of. Uh, sometimes it's just collecting three or four sounds that are kind of close and then kind of doing a little sub mix right. of those sounds to create to create the new sound sometimes it's uh, 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 you know just taking something that sounds bigger than what it is that you're doing because in creating a design sound you always want it to be larger than right. life mm-hmm. so that once you get it into a theater situation right. it's like Blows oh your mind, wow, yeah. it's got you know it's just big right what, what a fascinating creative process that that I haven't really dealt with too much is is imagining a sound and like saying, okay, well, like my favorite example, of course, would be like the troll from the Lord of the Rings where it's like a walrus and a bear and like all these, like a tiger. How does that, how does that happen? How you're like, well, we should get some barbed wire and some carrots and drag them through mud. Like, how does that happen? How do, how do you come up with that stuff? Part of it, part of it is having a good imagination mm, right. for sound. And I think, I think being a musician helps. Although it's certainly not absolutely required, but, you know, again, you get a lot of different textures out of a, an electric guitar through, you know, a pile of different filters and pedals right. and junk and, and whatnot. So, you know, you start to, you start to imagine what certain sounds could be. Uh, part of it is when you look at a character, especially in animation or, uh, you know, uh, you've actually got a, like a character drawing or a character sketch. Well, that to me evokes a certain sound of mm. voice and a certain personality. And, you know, sometimes they draw the character, you know, if they know that they're going to have a, you know, a, a celebrity voice, they will sometimes, you know, design the character right. to, or to, to look. Yeah. But often we'll, it'll be totally different and we'll, you know, we'll see a sketch and we'll kind of go, oh, okay. Or we'll see, you know, some action and kind of go, okay, I think it could sound like this. Cool. And then, and then it's just a, a question of kind of going through the libraries. And, and getting it closer till you know you finally go yeah yeah I think that's it that's working for me I I'm now believing what right, I see right um, I, I once read a, an interview with the one of the sound folks on uh, uh, the wire and they uh, they brought something up which I I hadn't I, I've seen the entirety of the wire hmm. and and they were like yeah every time we introduced this one character. Every time it was their first time on screen for the episode, there were dogs barking in, in the background almost every time. And d- directors wouldn't even notice. Like it wouldn't right. – it would, so how much – and of course they're trying to say that he's a dog, this character is yeah. – so, so how much room is there for that kind of creativity – there's there's a fair bit, yeah. De- depending. I mean, there's there's a ton of of inside uh, sound gags right. and whatnot. That, like the Wilhelm know, scream, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Wilhelm yeah. scream, and you know, every time you see an eagle and you hear this the yeah. scream, it's not yeah. it's not an eagle. It's actually a red tailed hawk. Oh my god! <laughs> and and you know, it's stuff like that that right. these conventions. Right. Have I feel like there's of, only two children's laughs in every in any movie, and they're exactly. always the same. And also laughs. like yeah. electronics, like breaking. Or there's it's always the same. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, there's lots of conventions, right. you know, where where you'll you'll get the same sort of sounds over and over again. Some of that's just lazy sound editing. Right. Sure. <laughs> Here's the first sure. one on the list. Yeah, let's use that one. Sure. <clears throat> but uh, uh, often, 
you know, it, with both music and with sound design and whatnot, you can uh, you can sort of color a character in different ways. Like, you know, like you say, with the dogs every right. time he came mm-hmm. on. Or sometimes you get a low rumble, you know, that, you know, just to darken up a scene or cool. darken up a character. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll be... Uh, you know, adding a little more reverb or a little more space, spatial information. Mm. So, you know, the, the characters either, you know, feel more intimate or less intimate, depending on how much of that you dial in and out. Mm-hmm. So there's a fair bit of, of creativity uh, in terms of, of uh, what we're all trying to do is we're trying to tell a great story. Mm-hmm. And sound is just one of the, one of the tools that you have to help. For sure. to to help uh, build that story and, and tell it in a special way right. and you know you any of the great directors the spielbergs the you know lucas the uh, you know any any of the uh, the very good directors will tell you that the sound experience sound and music is is half of how you totally. engage the Definitely. the audience yeah. and our uh, sadly, in smaller markets, it seems that sound is a bit um, often undervalued and underbudgeted mm-hmm, as right, a result. Yeah. Whereas uh, our our case is that dollar for dollar, you're going to get your best bang out of your sound department. Right. Mm. So I encourage a lot of filmmakers to work backwards, and that is figure out how what's a reasonable sound budget, fight for it defend it right so that once you get there it's your last best chance to making your make your film great so i i encourage all filmmakers to really you know sort of start at the end and work backwards especially in your time and budget so so if i am building a budget sure um how early should i be in touch with you and what should i come to the table with in my head I really like to encourage uh, filmmakers right at the, you know, once you've got a, a script, you know, if it's locked or if it's a draft, you know, a pretty solid draft, let's start talking. Yeah. Because knowing and reading through the script, I can see, okay, is this going to be really sound effects intensive? Right. You know, if they're car chases, right. big fight mm-hmm. scenes that are going to take a lot of hours to build, you know, to build that Hollywood, you know, feel to those kinds of, of scenes. Is it going to be a walkie talkie with, you know, with a long periods of, you know, two characters in a room. Right. Um, and then if it's two characters in a room, then we'll often want to talk to whoever's going to be doing the location audio to make sure that we're all on the same page about how we're going to handle right. it. And also handling the workflow from the time that it's recorded on location through picture edit, uh, right through to when it gets handed off to us. Right. If that's all been talked about in advance uh, and everybody's clear as to what our expectations and our needs are, then your whole workflow becomes much more efficient. Right. And, and you don't have to go back and fix things and, you know, all of the handoffs are nice and clean. So a lot of the processes can be automated, that sort of thing. The other, the other area is often reading through a script, we will find moments that are sound moments, right. you know, where he yeah. goes, hey, this would be a great way to get from here to right. there, or here's a great sound design moment, uh, you know, especially in things like horror films, mm-hmm. zombie movies. Right. I mean, there's tons of opportunities for those sound moments. So we'll talk through that with the director and say, you know, when you're cutting this. Right, plan for this. Build, yeah. yeah, build in a little, you know, build in a little extra elbow room right. here and let us fill it with sound. Well, even and, shooting, right? I mean, yeah. if you if you're go in with the intent of knowing what that sound is going to be yeah, absolutely. On, on set. Like it, how much more success could you experience just knowing? Right, yeah. And it's just up. part of, part of uh, going into that whole experience with everybody, you know, kind of pulling on the same end of the rope. Right. You know, so yeah. it, uh, we, we encourage uh, filmmakers to get in touch with us right at the budget stage right. and right at the script and budget stage. And so if, if, you know, a lot of our audience, they are in indie filmmakers with, with yep. little to no budget, what, what is your flexibility like for that? Is there, is there room for that? We have, uh, we've been big supporters of the indie film community and uh, Propeller Studios 
has for for a while now offered a kind of an in-house grant program huh? for first-time uh, filmmakers or or filmmakers who are working with us for wow. the first time. So um, we'll try and help out as much as we possibly can, sure. uh, you know, to to help create a really good finished product. Right. Um, it's kind of investing the, in the future. Of- yeah, we're, right? yeah, like, yeah. yeah, obviously we're yeah. looking to create long-term relationships right. and we're looking to create, uh, you know, better quality calling card projects mm-hmm. for our, our, uh, our indie filmmakers so that, um, well, as, as you're well aware and your listeners are well aware, the, uh, the market out there for short films is huge of course, and it's worldwide and there's only a certain number of festival spots. And really the bar is getting higher and higher and higher as time goes on. And a lot of what would have been even three, four, five years ago would have been considered the luxury of Mm -hmm. of good quality post-production is now if you don't have it, you're not getting a second look. Right. So it's just kind of raised the bar, you know, so that it's now the expectation of a lot of these festivals is to have a very good looking sounding project with, Mm. with good Mm -hmm. post services, um, which I guess kind of leads into, into a couple of the other initiatives that we've been involved in. A number of us in the post-production industry, um, have gotten together, over the last year and have uh, put together an organization called the Alberta Post-Production Association. Yeah. This is something I'm so excited about. Yeah. And, well, we, we are too. Yeah. And you know, part of it is to address uh, some of those issues where we see a lot of the post-production on, on service work, especially that's done in Alberta, right. ending up getting finished in Toronto or mm-hmm. Vancouver mm-hmm. So, or Los Angeles. Uh, I'm sure there's not one single reason for this, but generally, why, is that, why has that been happening? The biggest reason on, on service productions is what is called the interprovincial or, or international co-production. And basically what that means is that you have to get other partners involved in order to, to complete the financing for your movie. Right. Um, part of the, the, the fine print, if you will, of those agreements is that you have to spend money in both jurisdictions. Right. So it makes sense to split it between production and post-production. Often that, often, that right. that's the, the, often the, the sensible split right. because you're spending so much on production here in Alberta. So uh, we have to spend post in Toronto or post sure. in Vancouver or LA or whatever. Um, and part of that is, uh, our previous, uh, uh, our previous government had through, uh, Alberta Media Fund had, um, for many years allowed larger productions like series and big budget series to essentially split it into two parts and basically make two applications for a a large series. And that changed over the last couple of years Mm. and there was a cap put in place. And what the cap effectively did was limit the total amount of budget that any one production, whether it was a one-off or whether it was a series, they they were subject to the same limits. Right. In a one-off, it wasn't really a huge limiting factor unless, you know, your budget was astronomical. Right, but right. but uh, for series production, it was a hugely limiting right, factor. Yeah. So automatically, mm-hmm. um, you know, we did we did a lot of sound work on Fargo year one. Once the cap came into place, we couldn't even compete for the work. Right. It was just automatically going to Toronto. Hmm. So for those of us working in post, we kind of said, well, there's, there, you know, there's got to be a way that we can work together with with our producers and with uh, with government to to try and come up with a way to to first of all uh, compete with our our colleagues in in uh, British Columbia and Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, who've both got very, very good, solid post-production sure. incentives yeah. in place, can we do something to at least match what they're doing there right. so that there's not a disincentive right. to post in Alberta? Right. Right. And everybody was, hey, that's a great idea. It needs to be done, absolutely. <laughs> needs to be done. And then the second, one of the other recommendations that we've been working on is to help our indigenous producers, again, improve the amount of... Uh, uh, of incentive that's available to indigenous producers. But second of all, we've been, we've been pushing to uh, develop a, an indie or emerging low budget 
post-production fund, mm. especially for those uh, producers making shorts or, you know, a first-time production and whatnot. Uh, and what we've suggested to government is that they put together a fund uh, and we suggest starting off with 350000 uh, in year one and then kind of ramping that up over the next five years. Right. Uh, we've suggested that, that each production uh, would start with a maximum of $35,000, which could be spent on post-production expenses only, couldn't be spent on anything mm, else. Yeah. Uh, and then the individual companies would step forward. We'd probably do a little matching with, with that to, you know, to create really good, solid mm-hmm. post production budgets. And our rationale for that is, first of all, many first-time and emerging filmmakers uh, don't understand or appreciate uh, post-production. So this gives them an opportunity to work with post-production professionals and really get a sense of, oh, that really is important. Right. <laughs> that really right. does sound a whole lot better. Right. Or that bit of animation or VFX or whatever. Wow, that just... that. That looks fabulous as opposed to, you know, something you've had to kind of cobble together because you didn't have the budget for. And again, what we feel is by providing support to our indigenous filmmakers here, it's going to create that next generation of content creators that can then go out and compete successfully in what is now the, the global market. Right. And we are absolutely convinced that we have those people here mm-hmm. and we just need to, you know, provide a little sensible support again, you know, uh, and in post-production, uh, even on a short film, if that's your calling card to get your, your feature made right. or whatever, right. then all of a sudden this gives you a huge leg up. Absolutely. So that's had some very positive traction. And, uh, and what about, um, now we wait to see what they say in the budget. Right. 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 When is that coming out? Uh, soon. Soon. Very soon. Yeah. Um, cause the federal one's today actually, I think. Was it that? is. Yeah. So, um, what about, um, selling Alberta's post facilities from out of province and internationally? Cause obviously if co-productions are going to spend half of their budget here, shooting in Alberta makes a lot of sense because yeah. we have the landscapes. Yeah. Um, so what are the efforts to bring post-production into Alberta from out of province? Um, we've, uh, we've been somewhat successful in being able to, to, you know, identify, uh, projects that maybe have an Alberta component to it, right. uh, that are being shot in other jurisdictions. And then it's, you know, pick up the phone, you know, here's what we've got available. We'd love to work on the, on the production. And in some cases that's, you know, been, been very receptive. And in other cases, it's, Sorry, you know, all of our actors are here, our right. directors here. Nobody wants to leave to go to stinking Alberta <laughs> Post. <laughs> so you get some of that. Uh, we've also, um, you know, talked uh, and have been part of various uh, initiatives down to, to Hollywood and whatnot. And there are some productions that I think we would be a very good fit for. I mean, with the low Canadian dollar and being able to, you know, provide some right, post exactly. incentives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole history of Vancouver is built on, on uh, you know, that combination of, of quality work, a low Canadian dollar, and then incentives in, in play to make it easier for those, uh, those service productions to be posted in Canada. We think that we can duplicate that here. Right. Not going to happen overnight. Right. We don't have anywhere near the depth of of uh, of people uh, that they have in in Vancouver. But we think it has to start somewhere. Of course, we you know start here, start now, Absolutely. and in five years. Um, again, one of the things we're pitching through through uh, Alberta Post Production Association with uh, with a um, an incentive plan that you know will put us on a relatively level playing field is that we expect that we could see year-over-year growth um, to five years out. We would probably see the post-production community uh, having at least 60 to 70% more full-time jobs. Wow. Damn. And that's that's the thing that uh, another point that I really wanted to to stress with post-production jobs. I mean, you know, you can look around you here and you see, you know, a, a bricks and mortar facility yeah. that employs people year round. Right. We're not like a production that creates a bunch of part-time jobs. Right. Right. We create full-time jobs. We pay taxes to the, to the <laughs> province. We pay taxes to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the jobs that we create 
are are you know providing entry level positions and senior positions for those students coming out of SAIT and NATE and Red Deer College. So many of whom now, if they want to work in post production. Um, it's Toronto or Vancouver. See you later. Right, yeah. right. So we've, you know, as a, as a province, we've educated all of these people uh, only to wave goodbye. So again, we just feel that, you know, if we can, if we can start to first recognize that we have a problem mm-hmm. uh, here with post-production, secondly, start to, to use the resources and the companies and the people that we have to build around to start creating more post-production work, Hey, we're, we're quite prepared to, to make our money the old-fashioned way. We're, we'll <laughs> sure. earn it. You know, oh, yeah. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll work so, hard yeah. for oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a question of not having those systemic roadblocks right. where right. stuff yeah. automatically has to go to Toronto. Right. And so that's kind of a couple of the things that we're working towards. Just let us work for it. That's yeah, Please. exactly. Give us a chance. <laughs> Please. Absolutely. So do we, are we supposed to call it the APPA or APA? Either one. APA has, APA has kind of been okay. been the, the sure. one that most of us have been using lately. Right on. Um, and what is what does the membership of APA look like right now? Um, I don't know the latest numbers. Uh, I know that we have about a hundred people or or more on right. our our emailing list and active members. I think we've got fifty or sixty. Oh, that's great. Okay. We've got a, a student uh, membership category as well, where it's a little bit less to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, what we're working towards as an organization is to is to to. Uh, uh, first of all, we have, we have applied for and have received all of our documentation to actually be recognized as a nonprofit organization. Okay. What that means is that we can now uh, apply to community services through the government for ongoing funding uh, to help stabilize the organization. Smart, right. So um, that takes a little bit of time sure. to get that uh, set up and whatnot. But going forward, we want to to uh, uh, represent the interests of post-production. We want to educate people about what post-production is. Mm-hmm. And that's not just uh, uh, the, the the public or government, but it's also in many cases our, our producers. Right, of course. Um, you know, find post to be a bit of a confusing <laughs> area to say the least. <laughs> right. And so uh, part of what we'll be doing is is uh, seminars and outreach to, Great. you know, to, to educational facilities. We'll be bringing people in to talk about uh, post-production and best practices and how to be very efficient in your workflow. Um, I think all of us uh, who, who work in the industry have seen the downward pressure on budgets right, and it's right. forced us all to be uh, to be much more conscious about being super efficient on oh, yeah, set yeah. and how things get handed off to the next department and whatnot. So we'd be doing education on post-production, um, you know, talking with producers and directors about how to get the, bo- the most out of your post-production dollars and how to... Uh, how to uh, <clears throat> involve your post-production team early on in the in the process. So again, you know, you're not running into roadblocks and and unexpected surprises when right, you get right. stuff right. handed off. And geez, we can't resync this automatically, <laughs> so we have to pay somebody mm-hmm. to do it all manually, and you know things like that. So we just wanted to uh, uh, to represent, uh, to educate, to promote, and then finally to celebrate. Hmm. Uh, our achievements and accomplishments, uh, not only to each other, but to, to the rest of the country and, and the, the big wide world. Out there. Right. That's super exciting. So what would your, your biggest tip be for a filmmaker who's going out on set to be thinking about when they're heading into sound post? What should they be doing kind of on set or, or even in pre-production? The most important thing. The most important thing is is to if you if you have an experienced location sound guy, mm-hmm. listen to them, mm. and when they say we're in a noisy environment and I've got to get the shotgun mic right. into within probably fifteen inches of my my subject or it's going to sound like crap, uh, listen to them. Right. Take the time. If you have to relight because you have to have the boom right, right here to right. get a good solid audio pickup. Yeah. Because you don't have the budget that some of the bigger productions do to do ADR and dialogue right. impr- uh, replacement. Totally. So 
if you can get a, a, a much higher quality uh, original dialogue pickup on set, you save yourself a ton of money. And if it just takes another, you know, five minutes to kind of reset a light or something like yeah. that. So mm-hmm. now you've got good sound and you've also got workable lighting. Uh, I would say that's that's the biggest tip is sweat the details right. on about sound on set. Right. Unplug that fridge if you can. All right. <laughs> Don't shoot directly under the ventilator <laughs> if you can move please. <laughs> you know, five feet away. <laughs> now a lot of the tools that we've got for you know for reducing noise and those those ambient things are very, very powerful. And right. and you know we we're able to clean up stuff that even five years ago would have been ADR. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Right. Uh, but that said for you know, for uh, people that are trying to to make good movies, you know, on on a very limited budget, sweat the details mm-hmm. and try and get the best sound you can on on location. It saves you saves you a ton later, and it just makes your production feel more like a more like a it it it'll make your production sound look and feel like it had an extra zero at the ah, end. Yes. Nice, <laughs> that's great. Um, if I could do just rapid fire terminology answers for me because there's so much that I, I read about that I'm I just don't know what it is um, and we've answered some <laughs> join, of it join the club no, I know. there's, I mean, there's uh, so many acronyms yeah. so and we learn time. we learn a lot of this in, in film school but um, so we've done Foley we understand mm-hmm. what that is it's a manufacturing of, of sounds yeah, sort of or recreate, re- re- recreating, recreating of, the sounds right. made by by actors right in the frame and ADR is is dialogue replacement. Dialogue replacement, yeah. Uh, looping is that also ADR? Is that the same? Looping thing? is just an earlier term for okay. dialogue replacement. Right. Uh, ADR is actually uh, a term that is really anachronistic. If to be technically correct, it would it should be called uh, synchronized dialogue replacement. Ah, nobody ever nobody calls, calls it, it that. that. Sure. They call it looping or they call it ADR. Right. Uh, what is sweetening? Um, sweetening is just adding additional audio materials to the to the scene. Um, you know, in document or corporate production, uh, you might add, you know, some of your B-roll audio that's, you know, that's really crap. You know, you'll go in and add a little more texture in there just, oh, to, okay. just to kind of make it sound like, you know, your, more your real big or, wide right. shot of oh, okay. whatever, you know, actually sounds like a big wide shot mm-hmm. of that. Oh. And, so, and sweetening also can refer to um, processes that you will do to the voice, you know, to bring out some richness in the, in the lower end or, okay. gotcha. you know, get rid of some annoying frequencies or, and, and what is a mix down? A mix down. Now, there's a difference here between a mix and a mix down. Okay. A mix is where you take all of those elements that you've built in in sound editorial. You know, all of your your cleaned up dialogue, all of your lines of ADR, all of your sound effects, all of your sound design elements, all of your uh, your foley, all of your music, all of those. And for in a drama. You know, you may have a, a a picture edit that starts here and ends here, and it's twenty four seconds long. Sure. Underneath that, we may have up to anywhere from eighty to a hundred to a hundred and twenty tracks of audio. Holy shit! Underneath that single scene, wow. you wonder why those big blockbuster movies in a theater sound like whoa, right? Crap, yeah. that's huge. <laughs> It's just layers and layers yeah. of sound. So the mix is taking all of those those many, many layers of sound and creating a pleasing blend of those within within the space, uh, you know, to create that big Hollywood sound. And typically that's done into a 5-1 or a 7-1. And basically 5-1 just refers to uh, the individual channels, left, center, right. right. And the, the point one refers to uh, your sub uh, oh, okay. information, your low frequency information. So 8-1 is just eight discrete channels with a single low frequency. Um, <clears throat> And there's new technologies, Atmos, Atmos and, yeah. you know, coming out and right, whatnot. Right. But basically, it'll be some combination of that. A mix or a down mix is taking those six channels and typically mixing them to two. Oh, okay. To a 2.0. Right. Right. So that would be more which for like left, re- re- what you would do for maybe like an iTunes release. You do for any uh, mostly for stuff that's going out on on a uh, digital delivery platform, whether it's Vimeo, YouTube. Okay. That is mostly stereo stuff. Right. Netflix and some of the other larger carriers, of course, support five one. Right. Right. But most of that stuff that's going to going to be going out direct to to digital will be stereo. Cool. 
Awesome. That's a down mix. Thank you. That's that was great. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great chat. And and like you said, you know, sound is something that, that we all don't spend enough time thinking about, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's good advice. Um, where can people learn more about Propeller Studios? You can go to our website, uh, www.propellerstudiosinc.com. Okay. Um, you can pick up the phone and uh, give us a call. Nice. We actually really have human beings who answer a phone (laughs) here, and I'm uh, I'm ready, willing, and able to talk to filmmakers, large projects, small projects, experimental projects. Uh, We're interested in all of them, and we like to help out wherever wherever we possibly can. We understand that there are budgets, and and uh, we can be we can be pretty flexible. Um, we can, we can scale projects in a variety of different ways, depending, you know, if you've got, if you've got a lot of time and you don't have a deadline and we can work your project in and around other little bit, well, flexibility is, is one way to help uh, save money. Sometimes we can suggest, uh, that the filmmakers themselves, here are some things that you can do. Mm -hmm. We'll show you how to lay it out on tracks and you can bring it to us and that'll save us some time. So we, we try and work with, with each individual production to try and be as, as flexible and as, as, you know, we try and make it work. Right. We aren't always successful, but we will always. Try. Totally, totally. That's great. That's and great and uh, where can people find out more about APA and follow mm-hmm. that journey? Um, just uh, Google Alberta Post Production Association. Okay. That will take you to the website. I think it's uh, for those that work in post production that would like to become members. I believe we now have our online membership uh, and registration process right. up and, okay. and operating. Uh, at the very least, you can go there and sign up to our email. Nice. Uh, list right. and we send out uh, updates on the various things that we're up to, right. and um, we had a uh, we had a. Um, uh, membership launch event up in Edmonton in in uh, late January and then another one in February here in in Calgary. We'll be doing probably another membership drive later on in the year, and we would encourage any, anybody that's uh, involved in Post or wants to know more about Post to come on out to one of those and right. have a beer and sit down and talk Post. Awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you for letting us use your recording uh, features here. This is going to be a... <laughs> I feel like we're upscaled now. I don't know yeah. how we're going to turn back to it. Why gonna, don't they yeah. all sound like this? <laughs> I tell you, well, that was the whole point of the exercise, yeah, right. guys. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an old trick, sold. but a good yeah. one. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Patrick, thanks so much. Thanks very much for your interest, and I uh, uh, look forward to... Uh, chatting in the future, I'm sure. Chatting yeah. in the future, I'm Appreciate sure. it. All right. Thank you, Patrick. That was a, an awesome conversation. It was so awesome. Yeah. And they did some, uh, some post work on that. Even they did some, some dehissing and some, some, uh, limiting. Oh yeah. And, and other things. That all have... the, all the secret ninja things that, that most of us don't know about because sound post is super important and, uh, they'll do it for your film too. If you, uh, if you want to give them a shout, I, I believe they're pretty indie friendly and are definitely yeah. willing to, uh, to give you, uh, to at least give you some information about how, yeah. How much it might cost for an independent film? So thanks again, Propeller Studios. That was awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, awesome. Um, so what's coming up? News you can use. Um, there's a lot, so uh, put your ear holes on super listen <laughs> settings. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, mine are on. So the Alberta Foundation for the Arts, also known as the AFA, um, is now accepting applications for their Film and Video Arts Scholarship. Uh, so this was established in 2012. One scholarship of $5,000 is awarded annually to a young Albertan film and video artist who shows extraordinary talent in a film and video arts form and who demonstrates clear educational or training goals. So if you're kind of cutting your teeth in this industry um, and you want to get better and you have a, a clear idea of how you want to do that, you can get $5,000 um, maybe. So uh, the deadline to apply is May 1st and uh, you can find out how to do that in the link in our show notes. That's great. That's the first time I've heard of that. Apparently it started in 2012. Um, yeah, it's awesome. But what an awesome program. For sure. Uh, don't forget that Cuff is back. It's not back this week. It's it's running this week. So you got to get out to it and check out calgaryundergroundfilm.org for more information and check with their awesome uh, programs that are all over the city and, and uh, see friend of the show and recent guest Cameron McGowan's uh, new film as well. Uh, if you're going to be in Calgary at the end of the month, you should definitely already be checking out the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo because it's one of the largest in Canada. Um, it's a ton of fun. They have a lot of great guests um, and if you needed another reason, then Matt and I are going to be there and we are going to be putting on three different panels, mm-hmm. um, full of film informations, super important information, uh, especially for people who are just getting started, like our, how to start your career in the Alberta film industry panel on April 30th at 2 45 PM. 
Then we get into uh, the next day on May 1st, we have a panel called How to Make Your Movie. That's happening at 1.30. Um, what? That's a stupid title for a panel, you might say. Ah, yes, but it's a trick. Mm-hmm. It's actually a secretly a panel about producing. Because mm-hmm. um, nobody wants to produce, but they do want to make movies. That's true. They don't know that making a movie is producing. That's right. So we... we we trick them by getting them into the room, and then uh, then we give them all this information that they uh, didn't know that they needed. It's such a downer. I know, <laughs> but like, it's but it's you're true. All, you're all trapped in this room now. So just so you know, this is about producing. Well, we don't say it, we don't say that. But I, mean, <laughs> I have. I remember. You. Well, I mean, people have the impression that a producer exactly. is the, the exactly. fat cat with the big cigar, or um, they don't know what it is. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So we're trying to clear up that uh, that nebulous um, and most important role on a film set. For sure. And um, then on the same day. Same day, only three hours later, at 4.30 on May 4th, uh, our final panel called Business School for Actors. So this is a panel um, that is basically everything about acting except for the craft of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not about talent. It's not about practice. It's not about um, uh, any ways to get better. It's about positioning yourself as an actor in the industry. It's about um, understanding what your brand is as an actor. It's about marketing yourself. Um, and it's about getting out there and different different things that producers um, and casting directors are looking for. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely check it out. And we just we just worked with 24 different actors over the last uh, three days this week. And um, there was a lot of... I was taking a lot of notes for this panel because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, here's, here's an important thing that actors need to know because it was frustrating me from the other end um, that otherwise they might not have any way of knowing it's, that it's frustrating. Yeah, it's so important. And I think, and I think it's important to, that we connect a bit more like the behind the scenes people and the on camera people should be mingling a little bit more and, and learning from each other. Um, I also want to add that on the Friday night, uh, I'll be moderating a panel called filmmaking script to screen with the team behind the feature film. Alley was screaming, which is exciting. And also the 48 hour, the cuff, 48-hour challenge that is now kind of combined with the Calgary Expo is happening on the Thursday evening as well. So come and check that out. Hooray. Super fun times. So uh, in Edmonton, we've got the FavaFest event, um, which is looks like a really cool event. I've never been, but um, there are quite a few um, interesting things to check out, uh, kind of encapsulated with, within the FavaFest um and, and uh, obviously, it's an opportunity to network and mingle and, and meet other filmmakers. Um, and that's going to kind of be happening at the Burgers and Beer event on Tuesday, April 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the Ortona room at the Fava building. Um, and then at 8 p.m. on the same day is a toast to Ava Colmers and Larry Kelly. Um, so that's uh, an event in and of itself kind of right afterwards. And then on April 22nd is the Fava Gala um, at 6 p.m. on it's a Friday at the Metro Cinema, and you can gain access to that uh, by a cash donation. So uh, check out more information in the show notes for that. Uh, more news from Fava is that their AGM is coming up on uh, Wednesday, April 27th, uh, at 6:30 p.m. in their mm. exhibition suite. Um, so they're pitching it as "Wish you were on the board or part of a committee at Fava." Want to get a handle on what's been going on over the past year? Looking to connect with other members of your community? All of these, um, and I'm going to throw in and more, are great reasons to mm-hmm. attend Fava's AGM on April 27th. For sure. It's an amazing organization. It really uh, is. Um, I'm jealous of it, yeah, honestly, sure. as a Calgarian yeah. filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I should mention that on the very same night in Calgary, if you can't make it to Edmonton or if you won't be in uh, in Edmonton, uh, but you will be in Calgary, it's the SAIT screening, um, and you know the details on that off the top of your head. I, I sure do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's the second year's um, showing that the work that they've done over the past year. Um, so it's again on Wednesday, April 27th at 6.30 p.m. So it's exactly at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Um, at the Globe Theater downtown. It's, uh, seating is on a first-come, first-served basis. And we were specifically asked by a wonderful second-year student of the state program. His name is Seth. And he actually was helping us out on a couple of shooting days, uh, asked us to make sure that we mention it. So, so we are. But we also want to mention that this Seth guy. This guy, Seth Williams is his name. And, awesome. Uh, Super go-getter. Great um, accent. Yeah. And yeah, he's British, <laughs> which is fun in and of itself. Uh, but he's like crazy strong. Super strong, super smart. Like like if you're looking for someone to hire as a PA, he's just he's just leaving school. He needs work. So so give him a shout. Yeah. Um, feel free to get in touch with us and we'll, we'll connect you uh, because he's a, a strong hire. Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking to learn more about making of the movies, uh, we have up some upcoming workshops and classes. Um, the CSAF is hosting one called color correction intro to Da Vinci resolve. Um, so Da Vinci resolve is a, uh, is a color correcting software that uh, is super powerful. And, um, this workshop is kind of a beginner's guide to that program for the independent filmmaker. So they go through all the basics, um, 
of this tool, which is free, by the way, um, and is kind of essential if you're if you shoot on a Black Magic because um, they don't come graded, or if you have uh, any ungraded footage that you want to kind of throw some life into. So definitely check that out. It's happening on April 16th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. $105 for members, uh, $145 for non-members, and the instructor is Brendan Rathbone, who is just the best. Awesome, um, awesome dude. I, I'm realizing that we say this here. every time, but these like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love us, guys. Yeah. We're the best. I really like a lot of people in this industry. So it's Brendan is one of those people. Totally. Uh, and another fava note is that the free-for-all editing workshop is happening on Sunday, April 24th uh, at 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. in the editing suite at Fava. Um, and there are eight spots available, and it's all about learning Fava's Premiere Pro. So if you're, if you're interested in learning how that program works, this is the program for you. Uh, so check it out in the show notes. If you are in Calgary on April 23rd and you want to learn more about this red Scarlet camera, mm -hmm. um, you're going to want to attend this workshop uh, with the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers called Shooting with the Scarlet. Um, it's a full day course from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., $100 for CSIF members and $140 for non-members. Learn how to use the red Scarlet camera and all the accessories that go with it. Um, it's a wonderful camera and the instructor is a dude named Aaron Bernakovich. Um, and if you haven't heard of him, then uh, you have now and you certainly should have because he's probably one of Calgary's very top uh, DOPs. And, For sure. Uh, and, and extremely talented. You've, you've certainly seen his work, I would, I would estimate, if, you, if you've uh, watched anything made by Calgary filmmakers. And this, is, uh, this course is a prerequisite to renting the Red Scarlet right. from the so CSAF. If you ever wanted to rent it, you need yeah. to take this course. Yeah. So uh, jump on it. All right, what's shooting, Matt? Uh, the Salutrian, um, yeah. which we don't know all that much about. I, I was actually chatting with an actress who would spend a week on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they shot outside of Brooks, and okay. I think they're in their last week now. Um, and, and what it, is it again? A feature? It is a feature film. Um, this is just a unit shoot, though. They're, a right, lot of their right. filming is in BC as well. And it's a uh, kind of a 20,000 BC um, Ice Age caveman survival story. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, supposedly very little dialogue, like lines numbering in the single digits wow. throughout the whole film. Damn. Um, yeah, and it it sounds actually kind of awesome. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can follow that film's journey as it uh, gets closer to release. So the Edmonton Arts Council is uh, basically a council uh, that invests in the arts and festivals in Edmonton. Um, kind of connects, I, I believe, corporate and private financing to to nonprofit organizations. Represents Edmonton's art community to the government. Um, builds partnerships and creates awareness for the quality and variety of artistic work produced in Edmonton and they need a new executive director Scott that's exciting that is exciting it's a really cool organization and uh, and it would be great if someone from the film community was the executive director just saying how dope would that be <laughs> that would be great would it be too dope to cope uh, probably yeah, yeah. Uh, check out more information in the show notes for that job call uh, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers has two openings for uh, summer job positions uh, the first is an administrative and communications assistant um, under the supervision of the executive director, uh, who's a, a gentleman named Barry uh, and just, awesome. just the best, awesome guy. um, and the communications director, uh, who is Nicola and she's also the best. The administrative and communications assistant will work in the office and be point of contact for inquiries, phone calls and new members. So it's a great way to kind of get into this organization and, uh, work with them a little bit. They're also hiring, um, an archive coordinator, um, under this, in, under the supervision of the exact same people. Um, the archive coordinator will preview, document, and organize CSIF's collection of member films on celluloid, beta, VHS, DVD, and hard drive. So this is going to be um, a crazy job, this yeah. one. There's going to be a lot. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, um, no doubt. But this is something that the CSIF has been needing to do for a long time. Absolutely. And I'm so pleased that they finally got a little bit of funding to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so whoever's going to be that lucky person... Um, to do this, um, I am I am very happy uh, for you, and I'm happy about you specifically because uh, <laughs> it's high time. So anyway, both of those Absolutely. both of those uh, applications uh, for those roles are due on or before 5 p.m. on April 29th, uh, 2016, to uh, Barry Thorson, a director at CSIF.org, and you can find out the link uh, to those jobs in the show notes. And the uh, Mountain Standard Time Performative Art Festival Society, known as MST is uh, currently seeking an, a festival assistant for an internship, uh, specifically someone who's recently graduated, uh, to, to go from uh, May 1st, 2016 to October 30th, 2016. So nice long contract for, for a film festival for sure. Uh, and you're going to need to get your application in by April 15th. Um, and uh, they're looking for a CV, a cover letter, and contacts for two references 
all on a single PDF. Um, you can find out more information about the festival itself at mstfestival.org. And uh, you're going to email your application to info at mstfestival.org. So check out the, the post for that. There's lots uh, of information about who might be perfect for that. But we don't have a ton of time today. No, certainly not. Um, but I do want to talk about my recommendation for the week. Oh, yes. So my brother sent me a, a fascinating article um, from polygraph.cool. Um, dot cool yeah oh, that's awesome yeah i know <laughs> um and they were they were talking about how um gender bias in hollywood uh they, they were feeling like it was more of an opinion than a fact-based mm. um issue and so um there's just not a lot of hard yeah they evidence. were saying that yeah they were saying it's a lot of people's gut feelings that this is true but there wasn't a lot of hard, hard evidence to support uh that claim so they went ahead and they did the most um at least as far as i know the most comprehensive analysis of uh, gender in film um, to date and they broke down uh, just a ton of movies and they went into the scripts um, and the transcripts and they they divided all the characters by gender they divided all the lines by gender um, and uh, it confirms what we all kind of knew to be true is that uh, there's a huge huge gender bias um, in films um, but what was surprising most to me uh, was was Disney um, films like Frozen has more male character That's lines insane. than female character lines. That's so crazy. How how can this be when there's when both of the leads are women that somehow the film has more male lines? Mulan has more male lines than female That's, lines. In fact, with the, Mushu crazy. the dragon has more lines than Mulan does Why? in the movie. Ah. That's so so nuts. Anyway, so it, it's it's um, an amazing read and and a Is must Star read. Yes, but I, I I don't remember it right. off the top of my head. I'm going to check that. Anyway, out. yeah, check check the article out um, if you want to uh, have your blood boil a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it's important, I think, to to be able to back up this with hard data. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, um, if you're a, if you are a feminist, um, which I hope you are, uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, my recommendation is going to be a documentary called Wreck City: An Epilogue for 809, which was directed by a friend uh, by the name of Ramin. Uh, and he's an awesome filmmaker, the guy behind Cowtown, and uh, and has done just an, an, sing talk an, play and yeah, yeah an yeah, enormous yeah. amount of work. Great dude, um, and it's actually being uh, before the the documentary is going to be another documentary called Grandma Learns to Drive, uh, a short, a twelve minute one called uh, by director Dominique Keller. Um, so that's going to be a really cool package at the Calgary Underground Film Festival with Calgary filmmakers. Um, and and another thing has got to be um, I Love You, Johnny, which we may have already missed. I'm trying to find it on the website. But if you haven't missed it, it's in the shorts package. We had uh, the director uh, of, of the short on way back when we started the podcast. Um, so I Love You, Johnny. I, we're hearing really good things about it. So uh, I highly recommend checking it out. Cool. Well, that's it. That's all. Special thanks to Briar, as always, for, yes. uh, for digging up all the news and making our, our lives just... Um, a lot easier way easier yes yeah. uh so if you're an alberta filmmaker this podcast is for and about you so uh share your news with us and we will be sure to share it with the community mm -hmm. um, if and track us down on uh all the social media stuff it's a b film cast on pretty much everything um and uh again if you if you're interested in being on the show or have a correction did you already say that uh, nope. let us know uh, hello at abfilmcast.ca and i'm going to just reinforce this again hello at abfilmcast.ca is the best way to reach yes. us not on uh, not yes. on facebook necessarily because that'll go to all of us including briar who does most of the admin side of the podcast and and so it's really important that uh that we get it through that route certainly uh facebook messages or twitter can easily get lost in the ether so uh hello at abfilmcast.ca is the best way to go yep check us out on itunes and soundcloud and uh keep those five star ratings coming we really yeah. appreciate it everybody and uh yeah keep on listening and without further ado go, go make, make something, something.